the same people, but also people from the two other cities are coming down. They are encouraging the people that was about to make uh, sacrifice to them as gods. Um, they changed their minds, and now they are willing to kill them. And so I was just kind of reminded about how when Jesus rides in on Palm Sunday, everybody's excited and worshiping him. And then less than a week later, the same people are shouting, crucify, crucify. I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, is our faith that easily shaken? Uh, uh, are we shaken in our faith or out of our faith? And so when we read the New Testament, Paul and Peter and the writers often don't write new things. They write things that they know already, things that the churches has been taught, the believers has been taught about Jesus, the grace of God through Jesus. But they remind to they write to remind, they write to encourage them to not be taken captive by philosophies or myths or speculation or endless genealogies, but instead that you continue to trust in the firm foundation that Jesus, that Jesus has laid for their faith, that their faith is based on who Jesus is and not be shaken so much when everybody is saying all sorts of things. It should be this or it should be that. And then they also encourage the believers to like, you are going to have tribulation and suffering this time. But we encourage you because the one who called you, he is also faithful and he's going to be with you when you walk in that. So some of the questions I just had is like, what has, what, what has shaken you in your faith? What has grown it stronger And I was just, uh, just even just today, reminded, just as we lift our heads into the book, and it's not just a traveling journal. It's not just these people going on a journey. It's also war. It's spiritual war. It's, it's, uh, it's Jesus' people that's been changed. It's the people of God that's been changed by Jesus going out and pushing away darkness. So it's not just, this is not just a, a yes, yeah, so some camping trip. No, they have a great purpose of spreading the gospel, spreading the light. And of course, that will lead to opposition. So there's a spiritual reality beyond these, beyond all these persecutions as well. We see this group of, of, of Jews, they are highly devoted to their cause. They're very devoted people. They keep, they keep following them, traveling, using time and their money. And they are so concerned about Paul and Barnabas' message that first they threw them out of the region, but now they are hunting them down because they don't want to stop talking. So what do you do with people that don't want to talk, talk, stop talking? Well, you make them stop talking by killing them. So they find them there, stir up the crowd, and then they stone Paul. They are thinking that he is dead. They, after they stone him, they drag him out of the city and leave him there. And at that point, the other people, the other believers have been scattered and are not there. 
Then we have this interlude. Well, Paul seems to be dead on the ground. And I was just, I was reminding about, I was reminded about what, what Jesus spoke to Ananias. And I think it's the next slide. He spoke to Ananias. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. For kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So when Ananias, he had this question, I'm not so happy about going to this Saul guy and healing him because he's like wreaking havoc and trying to kill people that are believers. Jesus said, go. So Jesus' words are being fulfilled here in Paul's life. He is now sharing in the suffering for Jesus' name, even left for dead. This is a crazy part, like, I, reading different stories about this, like, like, he is left for dead, and he is stoned, dragged out of the city. How can he just get up when the disciples, the believers gather around him? What, how can he just get up? Paul, like, uh, we can only see what the facts are. Like, Luke doesn't say he's dead, but he appears to be dead. But most people were, like, when I was reading other people's views, they were like, well, some kind of healing has to have happened because, like, he walks back into town. Everybody thought he was dead. And next day he travels pretty far to the next place. So some kind of restoration must maybe have happened there. What we know is that he was left for dead. Je- uh, the believers gather around. He is raised up. And on he goes. And what does he keep doing? He keeps going with Barnabas to share the good news. And we read there, they preach the gospel and many, many, and make many disciples. How encouraging is that? <laughs> but you already know where I'm going now, don't you? <laughs> are we doing that? Are we sharing the word? Are we creating? Are we making disciples? Who's discipling you? Who are you discipling? We are all, all being disciples. Culture will always disciple whether we like it or not. But let's start looking at ourselves. Am I being a disciple? This is kind of this is kind of like maybe more practical. But remember, this has all spiritual implications. This is not the world you just see. There is a war out after your attention, after your heart. Even the song, like the songs that Abel have picked, I have decided to follow Jesus. Christ is enough for me. Is that true for us? As disciples, people who walk with Jesus. So how are some of the practical things? Am I spending time daily with God? And you might say, well, how do we do that? Well, there's some different things. Uh, do you need something? Well, it's good to have your Bible, a pen, paper, maybe some some, some songs. You can just ask your question, 
in the busyness of everyday life, are you longing to get to know Jesus more? Then there's good questions like, when and where should I do this? And that's also a good question. And in a practical sense, it would actually be probably be good for you to have a set place for yourself, but also for the other people in your house who stay with other people there. That you know that when you sit there at this time, it is to be with Jesus and you lay aside all the other things that distract you. So that might be helpful to you. So you can sit there in the morning and then people know they're walking by. It's like, okay, they won't disturb you for that time. Sometimes you're in a different season. It's hard to be alone at any point. Um, but I want to share with you a classic. Um, is uh, I believe it was Suzanne Wesley. She would, in her busyness of her life, she would sit down, put a cloth on her head, probably a dish towel. And when she did that, all the kids and everybody else knew, this is the time I'm not going to bother my mom because she is spending time with God. So she made that clear. This time you're not bothering me. You're not doing anything. You are waiting because I'm spending time with God. So it's not like something we have to do in secret. And it's probably also going to teach a lot to the next generation or even your roommates that at this point in time, I'm being with God. I'm spending time with God. I'm not to be interrupted. This is my time to do that. Then you might say, well, does it have to be in the morning? And no, it doesn't have to be in the morning. We see Jesus, he goes out in the morning, he goes out at night to spend time with God. But I would uh, I would ask you to spend time with God that's your best time. When you're awake, when you are alert. And then find that time for you where you can spend that time with God. There's a man called Spurgeon, he's written a devotional called Morning and Evening. So you can even be do it in the morning and in the evening. Uh, spend a little time um, with God there. But just, let's just take it one step at a time. So how long is this going to take? I'm so busy. I don't have much time. Well, it doesn't. Depends. Do you have five minutes? Do you have five minutes in the morning? Do you have five minutes before you eat lunch? Do you have five minutes in the afternoon? Can you find time? If God is the most important thing, maybe we should just ask ourselves, I have to make this time. So what are, what are we supposed to do with that time? Stop by praying. Stop by praying about who you believe God is. It's like, I don't know how to pray. Well, the disciples didn't know either. So we have the Lord's Prayer. You can find it there, Matthew. Stop by honoring and praising God for who he is and what all the things that he's done. And then be honest. Be honest about how you're feeling. Bring all your fears, your anxieties. Bring bring you. There's this person, I can't right now, I can't remember. I think it's in a song. He said, he says like, you don't come to God as somebody else. You come to God as who you are, bringing who you are. You don't have to change your voice. You don't have to train, change your appearance. You come as who you are with what you have at that point. If you're fearful, then you say, Lord, I am fearful. If you're nervous, you say, I am nervous. If you're happy, you say, Lord, I am happy and joyful. 
So you share with that. And the good thing is that God already knows how you feel. So he's not surprised. But he meets you there as you communicate with him. Then until maybe also a time where you can just rejoice that you can come boldly before God because of what Jesus has done. Because our separation was far from God, but our reconciliation in our belief in Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, taking away our sin, giving him giving us his righteousness, now we can go boldly before the Lord. Ask God to open your heart and mind to understand him better. And many in this time as you're praying, you will pray for somebody else in the fellowship or you pray for your neighbor as things come up. Then you should have your Bible and read a passage of the Bible. And you might say, should it be strong or, uh, short or long? Yes, it should be short or long. Should you follow a reading plan? Yeah, maybe. Yes, that may be a good idea. Should I do have a devotion? Maybe, yeah. The goal is not the reading length. The goal is that you encounter who is in the book, that you encounter God as you read. If you look at it from a practical sense, maybe it is good to have a plan, so just don't jump around, just depending on what kind of person you're is, maybe it is good to have a plan. The good thing about a plan is that you can also share plans. Now I know on the apps you can share plans as well, and you can comment, and you can encourage each other, and you can also keep each other accountable. And say, hey, hey, let's read this together. And you would then check in on each other. Hey, how's it going reading? Or, or what are you learning about God? I learned this. Can we share this? What can I pray for you? So it's a really good way to help one another to seek God as well. And having somebody who makes us accountable as well. I would say you can also add worshiping in song. Have some music. Nowadays, you have music and all sorts of shape of forms. <clears throat> Sorry. And you might say, well, what should I sing? Or you might say, I can't sing. And, and that's no problem because God knows that. He created you. He knows whether or not you can sing. But again, it's not the sound of your voice. It's the attitude of your heart that you bring to God. That you're worshiping God in song. It's not so much about how it sounds, but how your heart is in is bringing praise to God. What kind of style of music? Well, it I wrote also that it doesn't really matter what style of music. It should be hymns, should be country, whatever. It's not about the style of music. Again, it's about who you worship as you sing. And then maybe a hot pot for us in this time. When you have done all those things to pursue, to draw near, do we take time to listen to what God is saying? What is God's response to me as I worship him? Is he impressing something on my heart? Is he revealing some sin that needs to be repented of? Is he invite, he's inviting me through that repentance into new life, into true life? Does he impress on you to call a friend? or text somebody, or pray for somebody? Do you feel in you the time you spent that you are full of more peace, more joy, more love, more patience, more self-control? Do you feel 
that the Lord is developing those, the fruit of the Spirit in you. And if that's true, is there people you should share that blessing with? So is it only in the morning or in the evening? What about during the day? During the day, yes, try to remind yourself, what did God impress on my heart? What did I read? Who was it that I was supposed to text or call? What was it that I sang about? In this COVID times, well, actually in all times, it's super important that the Sunday services, as you've have you experienced, they cannot where you they cannot be where you get all your Bible teaching or reading. They cannot be where you get all your worship time. It's simply not enough. And also, we are called as believers individually, but also corporately. That's why it's so good with having reading plans together. But we are, we need to be able to spend time with God also on our own. And we see the importance in times where we are, where we can't meet and we're spread out. So it's important that we do worship God, we do read God, we do seek God. We do seek accountability for doing those things, that we can be built up, that we are walking with Jesus. And and looking at those and looking at those Jews that were so zealous about stamping out all the things, well, how are our hearts and minds as we as we walk with Jesus? Has he just has it become old news for us, or is it still the best news of all that would overflow as we treasure that from day to day that that will come out. Not that we have to share, but that we get to share with people. And also just look at again looking at it in a practical way. And like I said, all this has immense spiritual implications. But looking at it just in a practical way, let's just take the I'm not so good at math, but take the example like you spend Every day you spend time with God. Let's say out of that comes two, uh, two, one or two good decisions. That would be more than 700 good decisions for Jesus by encouraging other people, by being encouraged. Just the numbers are a lot. Um, what about this more rest, more peace, more encouragement, more being accountable? That will shape who you are and that will shape who your family is and that will shape who our fellowship is. We will be growing up Christ who is ahead because we'll be growing as the Lord leads us by his Holy Spirit and changes us. And I think it would create in our heart and minds also a fellowship that we want that for other people and that would go out from who we are as well as we walk with one another and follow Jesus. So maybe if you are more of a, I don't know exactly the type, more structured person who's like, well, do we have a model for that inside in our fellowship? Well, not so much a model, <laughs> but we try often look at Jesus. And so he he picked uh, well 12 people and he spent three years with them. Most of the time, or his most intimate times, he only spent with three of them. Um, 11 of them become people that turn upside 
strange, like that become um, there are some other people that turn upside turn the world upside down with the teaching uh, one of them betrays Jesus and kills himself so even Jesus had only uh, 11 out of 12 um, so, but what about us what, what do we wh- and you know this what do we encourage you to do we encourage you to participate in the Bible study. We encourage you to do, if you are a woman, to do the women's studies. And sometimes when they have the men things, the men things. We encourage you that you're a part of the service. And we encourage you, I think most of all, find somebody in our fellowship and ask them to walk with you closer. Find accountability in what we walk with Jesus. Somebody pray with you. Somebody to say, hey, how's it going with your following Jesus? Or, uh, how's your family? How's your studies? Whatever it is. Like, you have somebody that keeps you accountable. Not like, hey, you just... No, but to spur you on. And it's mutual accountability. So we can say we start on a one-on-one basis. Then we ask that you spread that out and invite somebody else in, maybe one on two. And then we have the bigger gatherings, like the church service and the Bible study. Um, As we're looking at all that practical stuff, just like I said, this has huge spiritual implications. And just as we looked at Paul and Barnabas, they keep sharing the gospel about Jesus. They keep pushing back the darkness. They do get beat up for it. They do get stoned for it. Then they get right back up and do the same again. Christ is enough for Paul. He needs to be sharing, and so does Barnabas. They keep sharing and so, just a few verses here, if you can take the next slide. Because we need to see the spiritual realities in Acts, but also in our time. So in Ephesians 6, 10, uh, I think I'm just going to turn there. It's a little small. Um, we have uh, Paul talking to the Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil, of evil in the heavenly places. Dare forth, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then he goes through why we put it on. I'm not going to go into that, but you can read that and why it's so important to strap on the armor of God so we don't go into this world where there is a spiritual battle thinking that things don't matter. Stand against the schemes of the evil one. Uh, uh, Evil in the heavenly places, evil here, spiritual forces to deceive, to steal, 
to kill and destroy. And we have the next next slide from Peter. Um, I'm just going to read from 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a lion, seeking someone to destroy. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the whole world. And after you having suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who, you have, who, has, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, and strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Why did I just spend so much time going through all these things? And just reminding us that this is not a fight against other people we think super annoying. Maybe you think people are annoying. The people that we encounter all the time, there is a spirituality. Some of them are blind. They cannot see who God is, who Jesus is. Yelling at a deaf man or asking a blind man to see is kind of impossible. So our jobs are to trust with the news that we have and share that. Share who Jesus is with people. Love those people as we've been loved by Christ. And we see that that is what Paul and Barnabas are doing. And they do it, at a, at, they do it, at, they do it with immense risk. These guys are bold. Bold as lions, I wrote here. Because not only does he keep going after being stoned, they return to each of the churches that they planted in all the cities where they just tried to kill them. But why do they do that? Why do they risk so much? They do it to strengthen their soul of those disciples that are experiencing the same thing. As it said to Peter, you will experience a suffering. And they also say to the believers, in much trial you will enter the kingdom of God. There's no health, wealth gospel here. They are being honest and saying, through many tribulations will you enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus is going to be with you through it all. Bold, courageous. They visit them. They pray for them. They are fasting for them. They are appointing people to, to, um, to oversee them in each place that they go. They even get to share the gospel in the paragraph, which they didn't on the way. So they share in a few extra places. And then they travel back. They travel back to the to Syria, er, to Antioch in Syria, and they gather together the whole church. And how exciting would that have been? They're all that they've been gone a year, maybe a year and a half, almost two. They gather together all the church there in Antioch, where they had taught so many different people. And they come in and just share all the things that we've just been read about the healing of the blind man, about <laughs> Paul coming back for like, from being stoned, about how, and even more about how many 
Jews and God-fearers had responded to the gospel. They had pushed back the darkness and let the light of Jesus shine in those places. They, did, they met opposition. Definitely they did. Even on their physical bodies. Thrown out of regions, uh, threatened to death. They kept in the boldness of Christ sharing the good news and many people those people that was appointed responded and became believers and was experiencing who Jesus is in their lives. His love, his care, that he was the Messiah for the Jews that heard. They believed he was the one that came. And for the other ones, they, they, got, they were told that this is the one that can take away all your sin. This is the creator of heaven and earth who's made a way for you to be forgiven, to have eternal life in him. That good news was preached and many people responded and became believers. What an exciting day that must have been for, excuse me, for all the uh, people that had supported the journey, that had prayed with them and had fasted with them and had sent them out, supported them to do that work. How exciting must that have been that they come back and say, yes, many people responded. There was a lot of opposition, but many people responded. We see the devilish being pushed back in those places. We have to continue to pray for them and encourage them. They would not be easy. But the God, God is really moving and saving our people unto himself from all ethnic groups. Many people are responding. And it ends really nice. It ends really nice with, and they stayed there a long time. Um, next week, we're going to pick it up in the next, uh, next chapter. But just how good is it that they stay there a long time? They stayed a long time. They're resting. They're uh, teaching. They're encouraging the believers there and building up their faith there. So the questions are the same for us as we just went over fast. Are we even aware of the spiritual realities, the spiritual impacts that is in your life? It's not about, it's not about just what we see. It's about so much more. It's about a lot of blind people and you are blind yourself too. Maybe you are blind out there and you're sitting out there and listening Jesus can take that veil away and you can see who he is, have forgiveness in Christ. Do we forget that? Do, do, do we, yeah, short, just rounding up. Do we forget that and get caught up in so many things else? I know it's so easy to do that. Whatever the kids have to do, whatever studies I have to do, whatever project I have to turn in, comes all consuming. But if Christ is enough, those things should just be something else, but not the main thing. Understanding the spiritualities of actually seeking God every day and knowing that if we're just transformed a little bit every day, that'll be a lot after many days. And just encourage you that every day spending time, like it's like I think I said it before, you don't see your kids grow, you don't see a plant grow. But obedience in one direction in a long time, somebody said, that would create fruit in you fruit of the Holy Spirit. Are you easily shaken out of this foundation and why would you be? 
How have you been encouraged in your faith? What grew you stronger? Was it the testimonies of how other people came to know Jesus? And how they stood on their faith, encouraged on their faith. That's why we have the testimony time, because how we can share with one another what the Lord is asking us to do, and we can see how He brings more people to Himself and glorifies Himself as we testify to who He is. That's what I got. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and the teaching of his word. I pray you were encouraged, uh, even emboldened in the Holy Spirit uh, to take up these things and do those. Uh, Encourage one another to do it as well. Reach out to one another. Pray for one another. Continue to do that. Um, We'll continue next week with... uh, with Acts 15, also called Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem Council. Um, but let's pray together. And um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. I just thank you for this first, uh, as we call the first missionary journey of Paul. Um, how he in you was able to push back darkness and so many people got to know who you are. The boldness and courage of them continuing to teach in face of stock opposition, but strengthen our mind and heart and spines in you that we would stand in you. Help us to choose day by day to spend time with you, be molded by you, have our minds and hearts molded to see what's really going on, spiritual implications of our choices also. You would... Help us to share, and you will tear back the veil for many people, even the people watching now, Lord, that don't know you. Tear the veil away, let them see who you are, and draw them to yourself. Pray for each of us that there's no condemnation. This is not just another list of many things to do. But we know there's no condemnation, but we come to you, Jesus. Help us to decide to spend more time with you, Worship you, read, and listen. And help us with our heads and our hearts and our hands and feet to live this out. Help us to stand fast and know that you're with us also when opposition and trials come. May you be glorified and honored in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so uh, you may stand up, and then we'll have the the benediction together. Uh, just uh, before, if you have any question, comments, or you just want to share something, you can also share that through email, um, as uh, as uh, Abel said, or just reach out to one of us. So let's uh, have the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Have a blessed and great week, and we'll see you next time.